love non-binary people, but like I can never think of a good way of being like, oh yeah, daddy, with a non-binary person, because like, oh yeah, parents <laughs> just doesn't have the same raw sexual. <laughs> Mary, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I am 100% comfortable with being called daddy. Okay, cool, thank you. Thanks. We are starting with an energy! Yeah! Um, <laughs> yeah, use that as your cold open. <laughs> the Europeans are getting European. Uh, <laughs> it's starting already. <laughs> The day is young and shining. The day is fading into night. The day is almost over, with the ticking of the clock creeping ever closer to tomorrow. The same sun occupies five different places in the sky simultaneously. Two of those places are entirely out of view, but we know it's there nonetheless. The hour is the hour is the hour, but the hour is not the hour as well, because Quinn's mechanism is recorded over five different time zones. <laughs> Welcome to the second mechanism. Uh, can I assume from that intro that you are a believer of the curved earth theory? Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, I believe that the earth does not exist. <laughs> anyway, nothing is real. I am joined today by the cast of Quinn's Mechanism, Act 2. First up, we have the voice of the deeply unfortunate and definitely not just reaping what she's sown, Professor Hope Lesnar. It's Amy! Woo! Hello. Second, we have the voice behind Hope's venomous paramour, the most shameless character in Blake Sky history, Kaiser. It's Shay. Guten Abend. Third, we have the voice of poor, sweet archival assistant Samantha Nolan, who deserves so much better than this. It's Rebecca. If she deserves so much better than this, then why do you torture her? I said deserves, not is going to get. <laughs> Fourth, we have the voice behind the prince of getting away with mischief in the esoteric order, Desmond Eyre. It's Mary. Mischief? <laughs> Desmond. What if I did a Desmond's entire no, voice? No, like, no, oh. no, no, Mickey voice. No, please do not. <laughs> no, Mickey Mouse voice, please. <laughs> Blake Sky Private IAU, but Mickey sounds exactly like Mickey Mouse. No! Yes! Yes! Well, yes. fifth and finally, we have the man himself, the scholar, seeker, savior, August Howard. In true esoteric form, and I guess maybe in an effort to ascend to godhood, Ness has opted to oversee this unholy meeting in ominous silence. <laughs> He's here, listening, but you will not hear him. This is normal and fine. This is normal. <laughs> and I, of course, am Kale, author and editor of Quinn's Mechanism, as well as the voice of the deeply unenthused title character, Quinn McDunn. You sent us some questions, and we're going to probably answer them, but maybe just talk around them in recursive spiraling holes. We'll see. Shall we get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Editor's note. Immediately following this, the cast went off on a tangent. Okay. I am going to redirect us back into this. Uh, <laughs> to what we're actually doing. 
<laughs> I didn't want to interrupt because it seemed like a short and harmless bit. <laughs> but uh, short and harmless bit is the name of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You couldn't even get through that sentence without laughing. <laughs> It's the name of my sex tape. <laughs> oh it's the name of my sex tape. It's 45 uninterrupted seconds of me fully clothed staring at the camera and then the uh, the tape cuts. <laughs> is that not what sex is? I mean, some people are into that. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. True. Some people into that is the name of my sex tape. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, our first question is our most popular question. We actually received this question from three separate people. Woo! The first is from Pup. Yay! Pup. And Pup said, Hi, what were your personal favorite parts to record for your own character, and what was a favorite from someone else? You all did a spectacular job. The second was, A fan you have no idea who it is. Really, you don't. <laughs> Hello, anonymous fan here. You don't know me. I wanted to ask the cast what their favorite moment of Act 2 was. Thanks. And the third, which they just did not identify themselves, what was your favorite part you worked on in Act 2? Maybe a line or a part section you were in. So, yeah, what was your favorite part that you acted in and your favorite just part overall uh, from someone else? Oh, God. I, I gotta remember things. Yeah! <laughs> I was just like, quick, read through. <laughs> I have an answer. All right, we'll get Shay, Shay start off. Okay, so my favorite... I know what it is. Yeah, Amy, you know what it is. There is a line in this... <laughs> And when Kill first sent it to me, I nearly did a spit take. <laughs> it's, you much preferred my hands to my words. Yep. It was not so very long ago, you much preferred my hands to my words, I think. Yeah. Yes. I love that line. Also known as the line, I thought Esther was going to make me take out. <laughs> yeah. That laugh afterwards is genuine because I was just, oh, yeah. I was holding in my laugh and I just like let it slip out. And I did that. My favorite part someone else did was Amy going ape. Yeah. <laughs> Amy breaking down in uh, component five. Yeah, Hope just going yes. absolutely nuts. Yeah. Oh, it was very, very good. Also, I will note to everyone, you are allowed to have the same favorite part because I feel like more than one person's favorite part is probably going to be that Kaiser line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so that's we got that from Shay. Uh, does somebody else want to go next? Uh, I can go next. All right, Amy. So... I do want to talk a little bit about that Kaiser line, because when Kale showed it to me, I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so funny. <laughs> and then I realized, I can't laugh at this. I have to stay completely like straight-faced with this whole thing and be like really upset about it. But it's so damn funny. <laughs> so... I did like that from Kaiser. I bullied Amy in Act 2 so much. <laughs> it was good. Thank you for bullying me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. No. <laughs> God damn it. Don't do this. <laughs> as far as someone else, I think Ness as August did a really good job with some of like the dealing with the Kaiser banter. Yeah. Getting really upset and seething. That was good. The favorite part that... I did. I have two answers. I'm going to cheat. Sure. Yeah, no. How f***ing die you? No rules, baby. All of the Kaiser Hope interactions were my favorite. I loved it. Especially the German part. Yes. I second that. Yes. And I, I liked going eight in uh, act or episode five. Those are my answers. Uh, Rebecca, it kind of seemed like you were about to pop in there. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. All right. I was just going to second just all the interactions between Hope and Kaiser. <laughs> Everybody's favorite. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. 
it's just a, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Pardonuker? Close enough. <laughs> Pardonuker. Yes. I don't think I can say what that means without kill censoring. Yeah. Me. I mean, it is someone who has relations with a horse. <laughs> yes. What kind of relations? Sexual relations. Uh, intimate sexual relations. <laughs> Insertive. Penetrative relations, presumably. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Ah, well, not, yeah. Is the horse having relations with you or ha you having relations with the horse? It's pretty open-ended. It could be either, I think. So the horse is a switch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the real takeaway from this is the horse is a switch. Uh, Shay, you were about to say something? Yeah, no. What I was going to say can nearly be as funny as that's how I'm gonna let it slide. Something <laughs> okay. about the active tense of the uh, uh, new character? Yeah. Did you just call me a mermaid? <laughs> See, that I will have to censor. <laughs> I always forget we're not allowed to swear in these. Yeah. I know. I'm steering this boat. I'm wrestling back the wheel. I believe uh, Rebecca nope. <laughs> Hey, Kyle, can you get down? Imp. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Rebecca was speaking. We are giving the microphone back to Rebecca. Okay. But yeah, so that was just... Yeah, the banter between Kaiser and Hope was just... It felt so... It really did capture that feeling of... This is someone who I care about. I still care about in some capacity. But it's... There's no way that you can care about each other in the same way as before. We both hurt each other too much for that. That's just my jam in general. So hearing that acted out was very good. <laughs> real, real messy. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> very messy. Very juicy. And did you have a favorite part that you did in episode two? Hmm. I, I don't even know. I just had fun just doing the entire discussion. Because it's just like, okay, how much contempt and distrust can I sprinkle into this? Mm. Like, I, Sam, as a character, she's not usually this. Listening back to Act 1, she's definitely not. Yeah. She's a nice girl. Yeah, you can definitely hear there's some bitterness that's taken root mm -hmm. in Act 2. And you did a really great job with that. Yeah. Fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I know with both you and Mary, I, I guess me as well, we were mostly just in like one episode or like mm -hmm. a scene or two, which gives us maybe a little less selection. But uh, yeah, no, that's fair. You can say the whole episode <laughs> if you're in one episode. <laughs> Mary. Hello. I'm springing this on you. You have no more time to prepare. I need your answer immediately. <laughs> so I do, in the main show, I do a lot of bullying Rebecca. And whereas that is great and I love bullying Rebecca, <laughs> I very rarely get to bully. And I don't think I ever have got to bully Amy. I don't think there's much Daphne-Desmond interaction. I don't think we've had any. No, the only moment there is, I think, is when Daphne is unconscious. Yeah. yeah. So the ability to start off this whole thing with bullying Amy... <laughs> Starting off the whole show with just calling Hope Harriet. Yeah. That's right. It's just so endlessly funny to me. Of just, <laughs> I think it's like the third word in the act is just calling Hope by the wrong name. And it's just so petty. <laughs> so horrible. And I just love it. It's really good. I want to, I can find out exactly how many, uh, let me just pull up. 0201. I have it up, I can tell you. It's actually the second word. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because it's listen, Harriet. Yes. 
after the intro, the second word of Act Two is Desmond just intentionally getting Hope's name wrong. Beautiful. <laughs> and I I love that. It's just like a little characterization. Yeah, and you leaned into that. Of just a little bit of just like not obvious storytelling. But that takes Desmond from being like a little bit to just being the pettiest, yeah. meanest mother. Yeah. Just actively kind of like low-grade malicious. I actually had in that interaction in, I believe it's four. Yeah. The interaction between Desmond and Sam. I originally had Desmond saying the right name and you <laughs> asked me to change it to Sandra. <laughs> that, that's gorgeous. Thank you for that, Mary. That's good. <laughs> Mary leaned into Desmond intentionally misnaming people so hard. So hard. I... Honestly, thank you so much for giving me <laughs> just so much scope to just be such a petty bastard. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love writing people just being nonsense humans. If you couldn't tell. I think we might have noticed. <laughs> just a little bit. All right. So what is your favorite line someone else did, Mary? It, it's got to be the Hope and Kiza. <laughs> Keezer. 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 Yeah, I'm intentionally getting names wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bit. Okay, okay. Hope and um, Kenneth. Uh, Hope and Kenneth. Harriet and Kenneth. Harriet and Kenneth, new power couple. It's like the kind of interaction where if you were sat in a cafe and you heard the table next to you <laughs> having that kind of conversation, you'd be taking your headphones out. Oh, yeah. And you would be listening (laughs) (laughs) just mm, juicy it's very good you'll never guess what the table next to me is talking about (laughs) because i mean what is this podcast but people at a table listening (laughs) oh yeah true (laughs) to something that's happening right next to them yeah you are listening to people who are sat at a table almost exclusively because even when in episode four of act one when uh sam leaves the table you're still hearing her from the table thus far we have not had any mobile components they've all been these are people in a room and you get a lot of that too when you're hearing people going to and from the door because it's a fixed position recording uh so yeah you are hearing people at the next table <laughs> over that's a reasonably apt description Okay, I guess then it would be me. I should answer these two. Yeah. 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 My favorite is actually also a, a Hope and Kaiser moment. I love the just very natural interaction that uh, Shay and Amy had with the whole, you know, when it's pushed in, like that whole just having a brain fart and not remembering what the word was. And oh, the term is embossed. <laughs> like, this is not my first language. Have a little bit of patience. Mm-hmm. You're asking me to do a job that's not my job. The intensity of that whole just absolutely done with Hope's nonsense. Like, <laughs> like I can be here and I can do this, but you can't make me be good at it. That came out far better than I ever dared hope. It's that Calvin and Hobbes, like, if I do the job badly enough, they won't ask me to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of that, for sure. There's a little bit of that energy where Kaiser's like, I will do this, but bare minimum. Yeah, I, I'll do enough not to get my ass yeah. killed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then my favorite part that I did, I was very excited. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm completely biased because I wrote all this. What? <laughs> what? No, it's a shocking development. 
I just really loved the the interaction right at the beginning of the end there of uh, Quinn insinuating that the order is a very different thing than it is. (laughs) (laughs) And August being like, oh. Act two is just everyone calling August a sex pervert. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of Quinn's character traits is that they follow a lot of conspiracies and they're often right about the general, like, actual effects of things but wrong about all the details <laughs> yeah they just make it infinitely horny <laughs> yeah in that case but. in the case of the order they're like yeah it's like a weird sex cult <laughs> it's like a ritualistic sex cult that's part of the whole dropout conspiracy mm-hmm. thing because i mean obviously you have this male professor involved young women keep going missing mm. it's a campus you have a bunch of like horny people just <laughs> out of their teens <laughs> yeah they're gonna assume it's a sex thing we need to be realistic and quinn gets on board with conspiracies way too easily so Quinn bought that completely. The other part I really enjoyed as I really just I think my favorite line that I did was the what you're looking at is the face of someone who realized they're talking to a madman <laughs> Yeah, because it's just a fun line of like okay yeah <laughs> okay I understand the situation now I have made a grave error <laughs> Yeah, I have miscalculated. I thought you were evil. You're just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> the risk I took was calculated, but boy, am I bad at math. <laughs> yes, yes, I was go. just thinking that. Yes. Yeah, that is probably my favorite line I got to do. So yeah, this question was sent in by three different people. There actually was a second part to the last person. The anonymous? Yes. This question here was sent in by three different people. The anonymous asker who sent it in last actually had a second part to their question and it is also is quinn book bookman now oh <laughs> yeah yeah no, yeah book bookberg book bookberg book bookberg does sound like a very business-minded chicken <laughs> <laughs> i hate everybody i hate you <laughs> Disappointment I feel is immeasurable and my day is ruined. You deserve this. <laughs> May I remind you? Who? <laughs> Suffer and atone. comes back around. I I accept this with glee and open arms. Oh, Christ. He's not here and he can't save you. (laughs) We live in the timeline that got abandoned. All right. And here, the darkest timeline, let's move on to, uh, I guess, the second question because Book Bookman is definitely a (laughs) 1.5. So this question is from not Amy. Hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'd be mad if it was from Amy. What? I'd be so cross. I know, but uh, it's explicitly not Amy, so we're safe. Ah. Ooh. I, I wonder who this curious person is. Amy. <laughs> it is actually Amy, but it's uh, another Amy. Nega Amy. Nagami. Nagami. There we go. Yep. Gamey. It's just, it's just with gay in it. Anyway, the subject is QM2, Esoteric Boogaloo. <laughs> and... Not Amy asks, you have to recast Quinn's mechanism with the same actors in different roles. Who do you put where? 
Oh Ooh, god. Oh, that's an actually Ooh. Oh god. That's actually a good question. Hmm. Um, that's such a good question, not Amy. I think Amy would make a really good August Howard. Yeah. yeah. I've been practicing. All right, show, show us. <laughs> you heard it in Quinn's mechanism. Well, I guess well, a big part of her speech pattern as Hope is her her imitating uh August academic cadence. Yeah. I based Hope's whole deal around August, like not necessarily the same as August, but mm-hmm. different flavor, so to speak. Yeah, and it works. It gives it like people in the same sort of very contained social circles do tend to develop patterns of speech and the way they use words tend to be similar. Yeah. So it works. It really communicates that like these are two people who work in the same school, in the same field, and like it's kind of this closed circuit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Amy would definitely be the safest choice to be August. <laughs> Excellent. I'll marry myself. And I would like to nominate Ness for Kaiser. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 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 I'm struggling with recasting Sam because Rebecca, you just have such a quality to you that none of us heathens can ever hope to recreate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Mary has to be Sam now. <laughs> <laughs> Punish Mary yeah. by making Mary be extremely wholesome. I I oh I reckon I could do a decent job. There we go. <laughs> I could be wholesome if I wanted. Lucy is also wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dottie's more wholesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, okay. But like relatively speaking compared to the rest of BSBI canon. That that's true. I mean, I could probably do a decent Sam. Mm-hmm. I mean, you heard me as Dottie. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I don't think I have the vocal quality to sound as just immediately engaging and sort of like sweet. Like I don't have the same vocal quality as you. <laughs> do agree with Mary on that? Can I make a very bold oh, claim? Please go. Do it. Give me a second to swallow my water, and then I will. Yes. I'll allow you to. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no spit take. What? No spit take. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Bold claim time. Mm-hmm. I think I should be Desmond. Oh, yes. I think you'd make a great Desmond. I think you'd make yes. a phenomenal Desmond. <laughs> <laughs> also, may we consider Webecca as Kaiser? Ooh. Yeah, okay. I feel like Ness is almost kind of the safe Kaiser bet. I know Ness could do it. Rebecca is an interesting one. I'd be curious that because it's very much playing against type. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would feel very yeah. different. Like you'd get that mm-hmm. rather than someone who is just a little raunchy to begin with. You'd get more of the blindside element of like the sweet character who just says something foul out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Very different, that would but be great. great. Yes. If anybody wants me to take a stab at it, I will. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Someone write that character. Yeah. I think Mary would be interesting as Quinn. Ooh. Ooh. All right. All right. Yes. All right. All right. I see that. I see That'd that. That'd be good. Yeah. I, I can see that. I think I could do a pretty decent just f***ing tired of this whole existence of life. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good right there. I think this means I end up being Hope uh, from how we've uh, shuffled this. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it too. <laughs> I think it'd be a different energy, but it'd be interesting. I feel like I'd be less sympathetic as Hope. You'd really be like, wow, absolutely screw this person. (laughs) (laughs) Also, speaking from Kaiser's perspective, absolutely screw this person. In a couple of ways. (laughs) Uh, Uh Both physically and Uh metaphorically. And emotionally. And metaphysically. And maybe financially. (laughs) 
Nah, that was the tentalist. <laughs> Especially if we're talking about Rebecca as Kaiser, because everyone would be like, you monster. You absolute cat. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How could you be so cruel to this sweet baby angel? Sweet baby yeah. angel. Oh, what did she just say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to get so many of my donkey laughs in this in this silly, silly thing. You're, you can just... Good. To be fair, sweet baby angel, whatever did you just say is my reaction every time Rebecca swears. <laughs> <laughs> the sweet baby angel who just called me a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> oh <Hell>. god <laughs> what did you just say uh i said fare thee well <laughs> anyway anyway um sure. adhd wrangler what is your wisdom we now have some very specific questions oh. they are all anonymous none of these people identified themselves oh. for these ones i am curious just people's opinions i don't think anyone here knows the canon i think it is interesting to see what people think uh so these are our very specific questions the first one is is it more a testament to how nasty the last book is or to kaiser's fluency in english that they were affected by the book so quickly Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. um so me and kill actually talked about this because um I actually had trouble wrapping my head around this. Because Kaiser notably does not go a mm -hmm. They just get a headache. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be fluency in English, who knows, but it's... Because the books mess with people, like, and Kill, you can absolutely, like, say no on this, but I feel like the books might maybe, like, change language when that is appropriate. Yeah, because I was about to say, if this is, like, a book of doom. To think it's just completely written in yeah. English to mess with just people of the English-speaking world is a little bit narrow-minded on that particular book's part. Yeah. Yo, this book can play Doom. <laughs> can this book play Doom? Uh, I can actually give you a canon answer if you want, but I'm curious to hear your uh, your responses first. Kaiser's fluent. Kaiser speaks at least Dutch, English, and German because that's the languages I speak. Um, <laughs> not a flex, but um, maybe more, but I don't want to commit to that because then Kiel will make me speak French or something, and I don't... No, watch, just watch. I'm going to make you speak Flemish next. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually do a really good Flemish accent. Nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> but that's because I watched too much Studio Humbert when I grew up. Anyway, so there's a canon answer and I'm going to leave that to Kiel, but the fluency aspect is actually very interesting because that did not come up. But oh, sorry, I'm rambling so much. No, it's okay. No, I mean, it's an interesting to see people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to like drop the canon answer because the canon answer is it didn't actually influence them as much as it did, uh, say, um, Hope or Sam. And they're more at like Quinn's level uh, because as we talked about in the, um, the first mechanism, Quinn can't engage properly because words don't work for them to put it like simply kaiser can't interact with it properly because they don't know how they don't know how to study books because that is very much not their mm -hmm. area of expertise mm -hmm. they're not engaging with it academically like they're just reading the words they're not processing them at all they're just reading them to hope mm -hmm. like they're not internalizing anything they're reading at all because they're not critically engaging it i actually when like reading through the script and practicing things out, I actually skipped that part as much as possible so it wouldn't sound like... Like it had been practiced? Yeah, like I just actually was reading them mm. for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, Kaiser and Quinn are doing 
the same thing. Like, Quinn is just basically going word by word desperately, trying not to screw it up. And Kaiser is just reading to Hope. Hope is the one who wants to know what's in this book. And Kaiser's like, all right, I'll read you what's in this book, I guess. So it's much slower to take effect. Like, it still does slowly. And the reason it never goes past that point to the tipping point is because Hope interrupts them. Right when they're reaching that tipping point, Hope is like, all right, we're going to take a break. And then it never continues. So it never goes past that. Whereas Hope on her own engages more and more even without reading it. And that's where that gets in. There's a whole thing there. Because yeah, there, there's a whole thing there with Hope never actually reads the book, but mm -hmm. it, it gets her. Uh, the books mm -hmm. do not work in the ways that I think you would intuitively expect them to. Mm. Yeah, especially not the fourth volume because it intentionally messes with people. And there's also like, mm -hmm. Kaiser not being able to engage academically doesn't just extend to like engaging with the text. It's also like not properly describing the images exactly. they see. It's in not counting the pages. As they say, it's a book. They have no idea what's yes. special with them and how to engage with object, which is very funny because I personally know how to like engage with academic objects not with um not with books obviously but as i mentioned before i used to study archaeology so i know how to like approach an object from like in mm. like the proper way a critical academic standpoint yeah exactly and i think that kind of helped me because basically what i <laughs> you know what not to do yeah i know what not to do and i was trying to approach it from like how would i um, like a complete newbie mm. to something yes. do that. And you did great. You did a great job of that. Yeah, you did Thank great. Thank you. <laughs> you did, <laughs> did a great job at sucking. <laughs> it's a skill. It, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I basically did like, I did my best to sound like as obtuse as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I will spoiler this for listeners. Ooh. There's maybe, maybe not, because this is subtle enough, but how the books engage with you also has something to do with how you engage with them, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is why as someone who cannot engage them academically, you would be affected much differently than someone who can like Hope or Sam. Hmm. There is an element of expectation which actually defines the nature of the books. Hmm. It's Newton's third law of robotics. What? That's... Newton did not do the... Every action have an equal and something else. <laughs> that's not the law of robotics, that's the law of motion. That's yeah, the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's Isaac Asimov, the laws of robotics. That's a different Isaac. All Isaacs are the same. <laughs> You know what? This is perfect. This is very abextrin. I love it. <laughs> abextrin is such a horrible word to say, by the way. Like, I, <laughs> I have to struggle every time to, like, get it over my lips because those letters do not agree with me. I believe you can actually blame me for that. <laughs> I think that's my fault because I do remember when SJ was naming this, we were talking about it and he was trying to figure it out. And he was talking about, like, yeah, we have the origin. And I was like, oh, in Latin, origin is, like, within, which is where you get the word aboriginal, mm -hmm. which means to be from a place. Huh. Oh. Editor's note. Strictly speaking, aborigin means from the beginning. It has a simultaneous meaning of something that has always been there and something that has originated there. Again, the use of the word origin. So it's a little bit multifaceted, but uh, we don't really go into that here. And uh, extra, like extraneous, means from without. Mm. So ab extra means from without, whereas ab origin means from within. So it's just the two in opposition. Huh. And I think I had mentioned that because ab and extra should be two different words. And 
uh, SJ made them into one. Mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, I think that's where that came from because I was like, oh, well, like if you have origin, why don't you have extra? Well, it can't just be extra. What about app extra? So from without. Huh. So you can blame me for that. Yeah, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> I blame you for a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You. <laughs> blame Kale. This is the price of being a star, kid. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to be a star? This is the kind of shit I have to put up with. You should have read the fine print before you signed the contract, kid. You're in for the long haul now. You're going to turn out like me saying swear words. <laughs> the real villain all along was me. So I mean, we have a very... Are... Sorry, were you about to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's like, I mean, you are the author. Technically, you are the cause of everybody's pain. That's true. I'm uh, here for suffering. <laughs> but here's our second very specific question, which is definitely related in all ways to the canon. It's extremely pertinent and relevant. Mm-hmm. What bird, alive or not, is the most terrifying to you? Why? And how would you best it in combat? Geese. Oh, <laughs> the answer is geese. It's obviously Canadian geese. No. Or cassowaries. Cassowaries. Geese? No, Here is no, the thing, geese. right? My uncle has a farm, so it doesn't just live in the middle of the city and has like geese. He has like actual geese. And the geese do a better job at keeping watch than his dog, who is like massive but way too friendly. (laughs) (laughs) And also like historically geese were used as guarding animals. Anyway, Mm -hmm. when we were like playing football or soccer, considering I'm mostly with Americans here. Okay, (laughs) see how it is. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mary. But when we were playing like... We'll call it foosball. (laughs) <laughs> Foosball. Football. Football. We're playing and we kicked the ball into like the geese enclosure. We had to like draw straws to see oh, no. who had to get it out. And no, like that ball is gone now. That ball, no. The rest of the people had to like distract the geese to like make sure they didn't attack. But do you know how f***ing terrifying it is to be like eight years old? And I wasn't a small eight years old. I was tall for my age. To go like into a geese enclosure and those are big and have to like run to catch a ball and then go back out and just hope they don't notice you because they do your editor's note as a canadian who grew up and lives in ontario i can confirm that all of this is true geese are terrifying especially when you're a child swans are also terrifying because they can break a man's arm yep yeah i also really hate seagulls especially because they keep on my head. But are you afraid of them, though? Are they terrifying? <laughs> Have you ever walked over a bridge that is, like, entirely covered in seagulls? Yes. On, like, both of the rain? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Those <laughs> s- are loud and aggressive, and they steal your food. For the record, I live near the coast. <laughs> not exactly a fr- Like, a bird I respect, but not necessarily fear, is the pigeon. Pigeons are very good. Yeah, because, I mean, it, they just don't die. Well, they do die, but, like, it's... Wasn't it like the origins of pigeons is that it's just like after pigeon raising became not a thing, it's just like everybody just got let out and they all turned feral? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're rock doves, like they're in the dove family, I believe. <laughs> I don't know that there was like a domestication element at all. I know that they've, like raccoons, they've uh, adapted very, very well to urban environments, both them and and seagulls. Mm. I mean, there's messenger pigeons, but I don't know if like wild pigeons or messenger pigeons came first. And messenger pigeons are extinct, are they not? That was a specific genus of pigeons. No, that's the passenger pigeon you're thinking of. Too many injure pigeons. There's the injury pigeon, (laughs) which injures you. The injury pigeon. That's just a pigeon with a knife. (laughs) I nearly had a pigeon fly against my head once. It was not fun. I also had that happen with um, oh. Christ, with a vulture once. 
I have weird bird-related incidents, for example. I was going to say, we're learning a lot about your relationship to birds. I, I'm not yeah. even <laughs> kidding. In the almost six years that I lived in this city, because before this I lived like more inland and there's not as much seagulls there. Like in the six years that I've lived in this city, three seagulls have <laughs> on my head. Oh, no. That sounds like seagulls. <laughs> also, I went and looked, I believe... Rebecca is right. Pigeons are a staple of American cities, yet these birds are actually native to North Africa, the Middle East, and Europe. Europeans brought pigeons to North America in the 1600s, likely as a source of food, and the birds then escaped. So it looks like they were originally, I guess, kind of a livestock animal? Like chickens, they're called. Yeah, and then they became a very widespread, like, feral animal. Yeah, so that's, uh, the more you know. Mm -hmm. Kiwi. You're afraid of kiwis? Yeah. They're what? Why? Kiwi birds are, aren't they super small? They're adorable. They're not that huge. They're bigger than you think they are. They also have... They're like the size of a coconut. Their egg is uh, 75% of their body oh, mass. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've seen And the... anyone who deals with that, oh. I don't know <laughs> the menstrual cycle of a kiwi, but anyone who deals with that should be feared. Yeah, Christ. <laughs> I had to check. I was thinking of quails. I think they also just like, they come out of the bush and they just like gash you in the shins and run away. Yeah. I mean, I can also do that. <laughs> I can also do that. She can also come out of the bush and, and get you, to be fair. Yeah. All right. So we have feared birds from- I spend a lot of my time in bushes. Edit that out. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think we've heard Amy's feared bird. Whoever said cassowaries to begin with, I agree with that. Cassowaries, uh, because they have- dagger-like claws on their little toesies and I'm sure that could open up somebody's gut pretty easy. Uh, yeah. And they run like 30 miles an hour so there's no way to outrun that thing. So Cassowaries are the greatest living example that birds are related to dinosaurs. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd change my answer to cassowaries. I'd myself if that thing came running at me. I changed my answer to either cassowaries or ostriches. <laughs> yeah, and any other running birds. Just, yeah, no. In order to defeat a cassowary, you can't be within melee range of it. I think you have to take it out from afar. So, I mean, that doesn't work on emus, we learned. I was about to say, there was that whole emu war that got lost. <laughs> That's yeah. true. By humans. That's absolutely true. All right, well... For me, it has to be Canadian geese. To be fair, I'm not afraid of Canadian geese. I respect them because I'm Canadian. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, geese are great, but yes, they, yes. Geese do not know the concept of fear and wish to destroy you. Yeah, so do I. That doesn't make them special. <laughs> Let's go to the next very specific question. Why on God's green earth is Hope Lesnar like that? <laughs> academia. That's the answer. I just really love books. Uh, my explanation is academia just drains everything out of you. Professors, students, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It hollows you out and makes you ready for the swarm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, are you saying hope is filled with bees? Maybe. What? Yes. Uh, Amy, I believe you were about to say something. Uh, I think part of it is just her cowardly nature, too. She's really scared. <laughs> of the circumstances of her life that she really had not much control over. And I think she just handed all of whatever control she had to the circumstances around her and just buried herself into books and doing the things she's good at and just learning more. And I think that was 
kind of her shield throughout all of this. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good explanation of that, that a lot of why she is the way she is has to do with how she deals with confrontation and stress, or rather how she doesn't mm-hmm. deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have a question here that is interesting that I don't think any of us can answer, but it, I'm still going to read it. This is anonymous. It says, are the Quinn's mechanism characters going to be around in more of the main story now since they are in the Order's lair and presumably trapped to do whatever August wants? Is Kaiser still being kept as a subject or did something end up happening to them after Hope stepped in? I can answer the second part of that, Mm. which is I can't keep a Nora Sona character hostage indefinitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if you like read Crisis Nora Sona, which you absolutely should because it's amazing. You should, should, yes. Very good read. Desmond gets tied up in it. (laughs) Literally. Desmond literally gets tied up by Kaiser. By Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth. Kenneth. And I will not elaborate. Yeah, and you can kind of see SJ like struggling like I have to, yeah. When Mary mentioned that scene in the Norsona to me, I thought they were screwing with me. And then I went and looked and I was like, no, that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I was there when it was written. (laughs) It was good. Was fully convinced Mary was taking the piss as you would yeah, say yeah no no he <laughs> was like who should desmond be with all right don't say anymore we need to incentivize people oh to go my. read it yeah okay. because kaiser's norsona is very good and it's very funny it's very good and it's very funny yeah it's very good and also it'll make you even sadder about max <laughs> yeah yes you'll get to know max better i was very sad about max but yeah so that distant swedish ruckus <laughs> That's my new band name. <laughs> Canonically, that interruption at the end of episode five, where you hear something crash and then someone yells out, that is Bjorn, who you will be familiar with if you read the Kaiser Norsonas. And yes, Kaiser is gone from the premises. I won't go into it anymore. <laughs> the Quinn's mechanism characters being around in more than the main story, I don't know. That is up to SJ. Obviously, we've seen more mentions like the mention of the Interloper Project, as well as mentions of Hope Lesnar. Everyone just keep dunking on Hope. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the life. That's all of Act 2, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the Hope Lesnar pain train power hour. Yeah. <laughs> we pulled into the station. Yeah, it's like, it's up to SJ whether yeah. he wants to incorporate. Whether any of these characters show up in the main canon is up to SJ. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind. Hey, Desmond does occasionally show up in main canon. Well, uh, it's <laughs> well I guess. <laughs> so does August Howard. <gasps> what? what? Weird, huh? But yeah, no, if he wanted to incorporate the character, I know I'd be down to come back and voice Sam. I just want to yell at Mickey, to be honest. <laughs> A cannon yelling at Mickey instead of just one in the North Bonus. Yeah. You. That's gonna swear. Never mind. You jerk. Just say Pardonoker. You Pardonoker. That's right. We did promise that we were gonna come back and all swear in Dutch in the next mechanism. Oh, yeah. One of the reasons Pardonoker was allowed in Quinn's mechanism is because SJ already used it in the North Show. Yes. That's how I got away with it. I pushed so many envelopes. The part where August implies. I made it fairly subtle, but let me find the specific line in four. Because I wasn't sure if he was going to let me get away with having this be something August said. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. He says, I had wondered, but I suppose I can see it now. You've always taken such a perverse pleasure in subjecting yourself to the most unforgiving doctrines in the name of science. 
He is referring to her previous relationship with Kaiser. Yes. It's basically calling her a masochist. And I wasn't sure if SJ would let me get away with that. <laughs> I mean, it's wrapped up in enough like academic language that is just like, unless you like really stop to. Well, I mean, Kaiser does immediately respond with, I consider that a high compliment of my services, Mr. Howard. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. One thing I really enjoy about that direction as well is that Kaiser never calls August professor they always refer to him as mister yes, that is which is just so petty and mean because like I'm not gonna outright disrespect you because I value my life but I'm gonna disrespect you just enough mm -hmm. yes that's it is very much written in that way again it's like with the book Kaiser is doing the bare minimum <laughs> they're so good I did want to bring up mm -hmm. one thing that I liked about that scene too Hope has no idea what they're talking yes. about there. <laughs> Hope does not have the, I'd say, like, just the kind of interpersonal intelligence to be able to really understand the innuendo, because it is pretty subtle. It's layered. It's subtle enough that I think people probably wouldn't clock it if Kaiser hadn't reacted that way, because Kaiser is very, very acclimated to innuendo. Mm -hmm. And so Hope is just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> In your end, though. Oh my God. Shay, no. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as SJ let me get away with that, I just kept going. I just kept going. Because then we get Kaiser going, do not bother trying to plead with a man like him. It will only deepen his satisfaction at being in control. <laughs> Because he says you cast dispersions very freely for someone who claims to take an interest in their own longevity. We have our first instance of someone calling August a sex pervert. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got away with Pardonuker because it was in the Norsonas. And then, of course, we have the crowning achievement of things I was sure I was not going to be able to get away with. Which is the, it was not so very long ago that you much preferred my hands to my words, I think. <laughs> I still remember because I showed that to Shay and their response was to laugh and then go, this is a fingering joke. <laughs> I'm really proud of episode four in general, but I you should be. One of my favorite things about episode four is how absolutely annoying I got to be. It was really yeah. fun. Oh, you were great. Really fun to play against. When do you get that opportunity to just be as petty and as just nasty yeah. nasty 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 yeah kaiser is nasty i cannot wait for inevitable kaiser desmond interactions yes i need it i <laughs> yes. need it all right we actually have a couple of solo questions Ooh. just two one of them is for Shay. It's from Anonymous. Ooh. They have A initial, then Anonymous. Ah. And it says, for Shay, what was it like being able to voice her Norsona and bring them to life? Ooh, that's a fun question, actually. I addressed this in the Frills Mechanism already. When Kill asked me, it was like, I initially was like, okay, why? <laughs> and then because I... <laughs> I am not like the person to say no to interesting opportunities at all because I, I want to do fun things and I want to do interesting things. And it's interesting because it's quite literally a character that is written for you. And like not just in Queen's Mechanism, but like this is a story that is basically written for me. I pay for this basically because this is a Patreon tier. You should get on the Patreon, by the way. Mm -hmm. You should. Just a plug. But it's fun because they're a really fun character and they're so like, I enjoy like because I play a lot of RPGs and I did some online role playing back in my day and I really enjoy being like nasty bastards. That's just 
that's something I really <laughs> enjoy doing. I really enjoy like writing and role playing and my highest level D&D character is also just like so nasty and so mean and I really enjoy doing that. So like getting the opportunity that is also like I want to say quite far removed from like me as a person because I am just some nerd. I'm a cool nerd, relatively speaking. Well, it's not cool to call yourself cool. <laughs> we get what you're trying to get at. Yeah. We get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Getting the opportunity to just play like this really like very queer, very confident, very performative, outrageous character. They're very clever as well. Like they're deceptively clever in a way almost because they can go to toe with like a lot of like genuine academics. They're the only person in the cast who is not an academic. Yeah. They're a performer, a theater owner, a business person. And some other things related to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're very fun. I, I really enjoy being Kaiser because, yeah, they're like the kind of part I enjoy playing, especially because I have no acting experience. Like, I have zero acting experience before. Well, now this. you do. Yeah, now I do. Yeah. And I am probably gonna get more soon. Ooh. Fingers crossed. Nice. Yeah. So, not to jump on Shay's thing, but the saying, like, that you enjoy playing the mean character and that like when you do like D&D your characters are all mean characters that's so interesting to me because I adore playing Desmond who is such a mean he's an asshole. he really is like he's an irredeemable prick if you've ever read anything that I've written I cannot physically make my own characters mean I'm really bad at it it's so interesting to hear that you like writing those characters and playing them whereas i cannot physically write those characters but i love playing them out of my like characters i've played i have two nice characters one is my <laughs> monster of the week character and the other is one of my DD characters namely my cleric who is a tempest cleric and who i play as a very very enthusiastic yeah. very nice teenage girl with a very big <laughs> hammer yes yes I've played some like power hungry bastards. I've played some like really nasty. Just I enjoy playing nasty characters. That's just the gist of it. Because I am, at least I hope so, I am not nasty. I try not to be nasty. <laughs> I don't think you're nasty. I especially like playing nasty queers. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about like queer coded villains and like nasty queers. Yeah, it's problematic. Yeah, it's a bad example, but they're so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, especially queer villains usually have like some amount of like power fantasy to them almost. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just, I really liked them. And like Desmond is also like, in my opinion, a really good example of a queer villain. Mm-hmm. Whenever I read something, like, I'm not going to spoiler it, but the last episode with Desmond, I literally messaged Estee and I just said thank you for letting me live my queer-coded villain dreams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> if you want an interesting third part to this, as a writer, I love writing nasty queers. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> I love writing nasty queers. I don't know how good I would be at acting them. I guess I haven't had the opportunity yet, but... Mickey was supposed to be nastier in the beginning. They were supposed to be charismatic, but in more of a cold kind of calculated way. Mickey is the way they are kind of because of me. A lot of that is my personality. So it's interesting because I don't really have an act for playing nasty queer characters. I love writing them. And then in tabletop games, I almost uniformly play not mean, but like 
just inscrutable and kind of alarming people or beings that just exist outside of social norms. So yeah, it, it's interesting how the interplay of these things happens, like how they sort of interact, like who, who you are versus what you like to write and how you like to act. Yeah, there's an interesting thing there. I'm gonna add a little more to this, because Kaiser was like quite literally written with me in mind, like initially by SJ and then Gil took over. And Thank you. Thank you for giving me this gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. But also like, because like a lot of me slipped in and it's mostly in like speech patterns because like obviously I am not a native mm -hmm. English speaker and neither is Kaiser because... Because Dutch. Yeah. And mostly because I can get rid of this accent. I am so sorry. No, don't be sorry. Yeah. I'm not gonna attempt. It's a feature, not a bug. Exactly. Also with apologies to any Germans who listen to that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. I will say on the subject of accent my friend has recently been listening through and we got to your first part Shay, and my friend looked at me and was like this accent is really cruel like who's doing it <laughs> yeah and i was like oh that's Shay. that's their voice and my friend was like no way i was like yeah that's just Shay's voice <laughs> that is how they sound <laughs> there you go see it's a feature not a bug that is yeah. so cool to hear. Oh my god, thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I have like it used to be thicker. I think my English is fairly good. Yeah. It used to be thicker, huh? <laughs> oh my god, Kale. <laughs> oh my god. Not as thick as uh. I am. <laughs> this is another part of it. I was so nervous, especially about the accent. Oh, I remember, yeah. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. so nervous about it. Like, especially like people's reactions, because like it's not a common accent. You barely see any Dutch people in like international fiction. And when they do, they barely keep their accent. Like the only example I know of a Dutch actor keeping their accent is Chris van Hout in Game of Thrones is Melisandre, who keeps her Dutch accent to sound exotic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so weird because like Dutch is already like a goofy accent, at least from like a Dutch perspective. My accent in Dutch is ridiculous. I sound like a very low-class farmer. <laughs> <laughs> That's extremely good. I don't see what's wrong with that. There's an entire TV show which takes place in like the region where I'm from. And like half of the joke is like, listen to how silly these accents are. Also, they keep calling my hometown gay. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what show this is, you know where I come from now. So I may have accidentally oh, doxed myself. You doxed yourself. You doxed yeah. yourself. I can take this oh, out if you want. Nah, nah, keep it. Because like the only person who I know is going to listen knows this already. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And we got off track a little. But yeah, the accent is a part of it as well. And knowing people find it cool. And that is not distracting as well. Because I was so nervous to listen back to the first episode. When Kale sent me a fragment of like episode three of act one. I listened. I was in bed with my laptop. And my girlfriend was next to me actually. And was like, hey, do you want to listen so I put it over my laptop speakers and then I heard myself speak like three words and in like an instinctual <laughs> impulse reaction I shut my laptop in the hope that it would stop and then I learned that my laptop because I only had it for a month at that point continue playing audio when it was shut <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> I was just dying internally. Uh, yeah, it was exposure therapy. Yeah, and then I was really sick the week Prince Magnus came out. So I, I listened to like the first and a little of the second episode, but it didn't register. And then I binged through all of it the Saturday after. And part of it was also because I was really scared to hear my own voice again. And especially like episode three was software and then i got into it in episode four is like i really enjoyed episode four i really liked episode four yeah of act two now you mean yeah of act two because mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. act two, like, 
It was a fun episode both to play and to listen to, and like a huge amount of that is on Kill, obviously, because they quite literally put the words in my mouth. Um. <laughs> oh, I mean, part of, I think, that is learning. I find I'm best as a uh, scriptwriter when I am aware of the voice, because people do have their own cadences and things that sound natural coming from them. And I think my scripting for Kaiser definitely just improved the more I worked with Jay, because I became more familiar with how they talk, and that helps. Like, that gives me a better idea of what sounds right. We had to rewrite a couple of your lines in Act 1, because they just didn't make sense. Yeah, I could not read those, like, without sounding like I was reading. It literally took me out of acting, because I was too busy wrapping my head around yeah, it. Yeah, because structurally it didn't make sense to you, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to do that for Act 2 at all. Yeah, I don't think we didn't have to rewrite any of Kaiser's lines for Act 2. No. Even though there were way more of them. No, only the German parts we had to rewrite, but there was mostly, like, grammatical stuff. Yeah, that's because I had, like, <laughs> straight up, like, syntax errors. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm gonna move on to our last question, which is actually for me. So What's up? Someone write Danny Prince so I can uh, voice them, please and thank you. God, I, I love Danny. Danny is, aside from Kaiser, <laughs> Danny is my favorite Narsona. I love them. I also adore Danny. I'm a little bit biased, but if you haven't read Danny's Narsona, just... Also, if you want to know who that Brendan guy is, definitely read Danny's Narsona. If you want to understand the Brendan... Brendan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you need to go read the Danny Prince Narsona? Also, it's sexy. It's really sexy. <laughs> Brendan. <Ooh>. Brendan. <laughs> It is, yeah. SJ got me down pat. I will say I was reading a bit that was really like, kind of like, oh, this is almost, I can't believe SJ let me write this. And then I got a message from Kale that was heartbreaking and the emotional <laughs> whiplash was just too much. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm not sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm not sorry. All right, let's go to the last <laughs> question. It's the very last question. Okay. This is actually a question for me. This one is completely anonymous. There's no, nobody indicated who it is. It says, for Kill, what were some challenges you ran into when creating act two? Are other acts already in progress or is this the last of the Quinn's Mechanism series? I'll answer the second one first. Absolutely not. <laughs> Quinn's Mechanism is tentatively planned to be a five act structure. I've already started writing act three in which I mostly just spoil Mary. Yes. <laughs> yes. By allowing Desmond to be the most Desmond Desmond has ever been. I sent SJ the scripts. One moment here. Scroll up. Good content. Good scrolling content. Kale really did say, let's give the gays everything they want. And by the gays, I mean me. <laughs> I mean, you are pretty gay. I'm very gay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, I sent SJ some of my lines for Desmond for Act 3, and his response was, Yes, you have taken the solid foundation I have set to hate Desmond, and you have built a temple on it. <laughs> a temple to hate him. That is a very SJ thing to say, holy <laughs> yeah, yeah, Act 3 is very Desmond heavy. So yes, absolutely, there are going to be more acts. <laughs> I think five, I have up to four planned. I have five tentatively planned out, but I'm, I tend to be fairly flexible in how I write. In terms of the biggest challenges, like the challenges I wrote, I think the biggest, there were two. The first was in episode four, when Hope breaks down to Kaiser about her, kind of her relationship with Saul Friedman and why that's a problem because the issue going on is that I was worried it might be a little too 
obtuse and people wouldn't get it, but it's also not something that realistically I could have her just say outright because you don't spend decades of your life completely distancing yourself from anything related to this and then just turn around and outright say, hey, I was born in another country and my parents had my birth certificate forged so they wouldn't have to give up their German citizenship. You, you know, that's not just something you say aloud to someone after spending literal decades pretending that's not real. That's very much one of those things that like, you say that aloud, it's suddenly, mm -hmm. it's real. Like you've made it a real thing. You can't get away from it anymore. So I was really worried that wouldn't communicate. That was a, a challenge for me. The other challenge I ran into was episode five. I was really worried that the reveal of Quinn as the interloper was not going to communicate how I wanted it to. I was worried that it was just going to come across very like played straight, like, okay, yes, we have the diviner, we have the outsider, and now we have the interloper. Like the, just, okay, this is what it is. When that whole scene is much more about August than it is about Quinn. All of act two has consistent themes of how hard August just white knuckles the idea that he has everything in control he makes up his mind about things and then he has such a hard time of letting any of that go. He has such a hard time accepting when he's the person in the wrong or the person who's made a mistake. You see that with his interaction with Hope earlier in episode five, where she's like, yeah, you've straight up bullied me. You've been an absolute nightmare. And he just can't process that because it challenges so much about his worldview and how he sees himself and how he operates. And you get that later with his interaction with Quinn, because Quinn is very obviously being like, what are you talking about? I like that you did the Quinn voice. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Not a weird sex cult. Not a weird sex cult. <laughs> he just doubles down. Like, he just doubles down. Because I was afraid it was just going to read very, very straight when it is, it's specifically supposed to be ambiguous. Like, is this a true thing? Like, is Quinn the interloper? Are they this sort of figure who may have some connection to something? Or is it just that August has doubled down so hard he's actively deluding himself? Like, it's supposed to be ambiguous. And I was worried it wouldn't like that nuance wouldn't show up but I feel like Ness and I did a good enough job that you read that because you do get that kind of intensity and that that willfulness that will to say this is what's happening and I'm determined that this is what's happening from August uh with the whole like ah, I see it in your face and Quinn's like I don't know what you think you see. <laughs> Ness did a really good job with that, yeah. Ness yes, Ness did a great job with that. Absolutely. Let's everyone say how great Ness is when he can't come in and dispute <laughs> it. Yeah. Ness is really good. Yeah. Ness is so talented. Ness was super great. Ness is amazing. If you are like on the Discord, you might know me as the hashtag August Howard liker. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like August and that's uh, partially because Ness portrays him so well. Yes. I have since joined that club. I really like August, but I have <laughs> bad taste in men. So. I mean, same. Like, <laughs> At least you admit it. My favorite BSPI characters are August and Mickey, and that should tell you everything you need to know about me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Ness is great. Uh, we all love Ness. Ness is very good. Here's, here's a swerve. Last time we were talking about how we could all beat Ness in a fight. 
This time we're all talking about how much we love Ness while he is listening. He is here listening. <laughs> yeah. And he can't stop us. Yeah, let's beat Ness with our words of praise. Ness, we love you. Yeah, he can hear us. And yeah, look, we love Ness. Ness is good and he's not here to contradict us. Yeah, we love Ness. Yeah. Yeah, Ness is one of my favorite people. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Ness is best. I'm glad that I think I've made Ness the happiest he's ever been. And I don't want to like fully say my full name, but Ness found my full name hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's genuinely the happiest Ness has ever been. If you ever want like to hear the voice of August Howard like delusionally happy, you just have to say my name to Ness. <laughs> he loses his f***ing mind. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, Ness is good people. And Ness is just good. Yeah. If you only know Ness as August, you are missing out because Ness is, yes, a yes. big dork, but also just <laughs> the softest boy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, it's so weird to like have the, like knowing Ness as a person and then also seeing, uh, by seeing, I mean hearing Ness as August Howard, like hearing Ness as August Howard in like the first season, like one of the first times you meet him in the first season of Blake's Sky Private Eye and being like, well, I know that is Ness. Yeah, well, I, I came from the opposite where I knew Ness as August Howard before I knew Ness as Ness. And wow, that was that was an acclamation. <laughs> yeah, just like Ness as a person and August Howard as a person are like entirely opposed. Oh Christ, Discord notifications. That's Ness vetoing us, calling him the softest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, Ness is just like genuinely a really good guy. And I'm really proud to call him my friend. Yeah. I'm glad we're friends. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I, someone was going to say it. So I knew someone was going to say yeah, it. Yeah. It was going to be Mary. That's her trademark. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the second and worst malkinism. <laughs> it's objectively true. We haven't edited it yet. Yeah, we'll see. What if I just don't edit it? <laughs> I would never do that. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to the second Megalconism. You can find some of us in different places, doing different things. You can find all of us on Twitter, including Ness the Silent. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Superhuman Foods. Obviously, I am Mickey in the main canon. You will also be able to hear me this fall in an ensemble part in Two Flat Earthers Kidnapped a Freemason, a Good Point podcast, which I'm very excited Ooh. about. How about you folks? Uh, where can people find you? I am findable on Twitter at explosive underscore sheep. Uh, I haven't done much with it yet, but that's just going to be my general like voiceover. Well, if you want to contact me and give me a job, I would appreciate it. It'll be there. I'm going to be, I'm working on a demo reel. I can be found on Twitter or in your local bush outside your house watching you. Over at, at Shay Wild. Yes, this is a pun on the Faye Wild. What? Nice. I genuinely didn't know that. That's really <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> at Shay Wild, and that's pretty much the only place I mostly yell about, like, whatever is on my mind. So And uh, well. knitting, sometimes. Yeah, and knitting. Yeah, if you want to see, like, cool pictures of stuff I make, that is the place. But also, if you want to see pictures of my cats when I'm home, you can go there and also, if you like opinions about shows that haven't, like, <laughs> existed for 15 years, you could also go there. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at MuddyEvilist, which is M-U-D-D-Y-E-V-I-L-I-S-T. And then there's a link there to everything that I do, because there's a lot of it. I have ADHD. 
Mary does have another podcast called Flying in the Face of Fate that you should go listen to. Uh, Mary also streams sometimes on Twitch. Sometimes. And hey, if you think I'm funny, you should meet my wife. Uh, Mary's a wife guy. Stop it. No. All right. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Achillea. So this is A-C-H-I-L-L-3-A. So that is my Twitter handle. Feel free to follow and interact if you like. I am in the main cast of BSPI as Daphne Howard. So you can find me there. I think actually this Sunday, my side story, uh, Diviner in the Deep, is coming out. So Yes, tomorrow. Ooh, yeah, you'll have that before you have this probably. So I hope you like it. If it's bad, don't tell me. But it's good. I hope you enjoy it. And that's about all I've got to schlep here so all right you can find ness on twitter at ness rocker though he's not very active but he is lovely and ness does stream on twitch sometimes and uh you should also consider backing us on patreon and maybe joining our discord it's a fun little community and uh yeah you can also follow the main show at like sky pi there's a very good website as well lots of stuff to be found there including episode transcripts which is very nice when you quickly want to look something up uh, and if you if you want to yell at someone for making a mistake on it you yell at me because the more you know me the more you realize that i am constantly getting my long eldritch fingers in every single pie i, I am secretly chargaram i am the grasping hand and i have so many hands <laughs> and so many pies at all times <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you in Act 3. Does anyone have any questions for me or for each other? How, what's it like having such a big, huge brain? Heavy. How do you fit all that in there? <laughs> My skull is a liminal space. Okay. All right. That Bigger makes on sense. the inside. Bigger on the inside. It's a TARDIS. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like a recursive space. It's an Escher. Oh my God. Yes. It's an Escher in there. That's what's up. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. More Dutch representation in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the inside of my skull is Dutch. Uh, <laughs> Dutch surrealism. Well, that's why my face is so tall and I'm not. <laughs> all your all your height, all your height went into your face. All my height went into my big brain, my big Escheresque brain. Double decker head. Oh no! All right, I think I, I think we can end this on double decker head. Um, <laughs> double decker head is the name of my sex tape. <laughs>